Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Inflation is taking a big bite out of Americans' everyday budgets and savings. The latest report out this morning is expected to show an 8.4% spike from a year ago. That would be the highest since December 1981. Yikes! Not good news for the White House, not good news for yours truly at the gas pump with my guzzling SUV. Not good news <laughs> anywhere right now, but we're going to take it all apart here, Hackaroos. I'm joined by the esteemed uh, Mr. David Axelrod and a very special guest. We're going to hack out on Hacks on Tap this week. Got yeah, a lot we of got the su- a super hack with us. We do, uh, an Uber yeah, hack. And, 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 and we, we need him because this, this inflation thing is kicking... Uh, not just consumers in the ass, but kicking Biden and Democrats in the ass. And there's only one guy on the planet who can help them figure out how to get out of it. And that's Paul yeah. Begala. <laughs> hey, Paul Paulie. Begala. Thanks, former, guys. Former uh, campaign uh, uh, strategist extraordinaire, former White House aide under President Clinton, all-around good guy, commentator, role model, what else? What am I missing? Bon vivant, <laughs> mountain man. Yeah, exactly. And the only guy I know with an easy three-point plan to instantly solve inflation. So we're yeah. So go ahead, here. Paul. Take the <laughs> yeah, Paul. Let's hear it's it. All yours, baby. You know, um, I have a friend from law school who was a public defender, and I said, uh, "Hey, be how careful, many? Of your be cli- careful if you nominate them to the Supreme Court. Exactly. Then, it's yeah. it's honorable work. It's remarkable work. And uh, I never." practice law, but I do have a law degree and I have a lot of friends who are real lawyers. So I asked this guy, we're starting out our careers and he started as a public defender. And I said, how many of your clients are guilty? He said, well, hell, all of them are guilty. That's why I have them. And I said, well, what do you do? He said, generally, I offer the Saudi defense. I said, Saudi defense. I should have gone to class more. What's the Saudi defense? Some other dude did it. (laughs) That's the best option on inflation. Some other dude did it. The president doesn't control inflation. You and I know that. He doesn't control gas prices. You and I know that. But he gets blamed. And so this is an important shift. I think too much of the White House messaging has been Things are a lot better than you know they are. Yes, you know, like yes, you go yes, to the doctor. You're wrong. Here, read yeah, this you're primer. Wrong. Like, yeah. My shoulder's killing me. I go to the doc, and she says it doesn't hurt. <laughs> That's not a good doctor, right? Totally. So, but some other dude did it. That could work. And that other dude is Putin. You saw Jen Psaki, who I think is phenomenal. She's a pal of ours, you know, but she's just yes. outstanding. Already calling it Putin's price increase. Uh, as we get closer to the election, I, I hope you'll see them roll big oil into that too. You know, your tax dollars subsidize big oil. So you're paying big oil to jack up the price for gas, right? Um, and so between Putin and big oil, they have at least some plausible case to make the Saudi defense. Yeah. Note to the file. I love big oil. All right, yes. go ahead. Right, you're breaking <laughs> no, my no, heart, Paul. No, uh, look, um, I think you're right that that is the card they have to play. Uh, the question is whether people, I mean, you know, inflation was with us before the war. So it's been, and, and so, you know, and that will, and I think people uh, are aware of that. You're right. There's, you know, there's, there's little that he can do about it, uh, but he gets all the blame for it. Dr. Biden doesn't only tell you, your shoulder doesn't hurt. In fact, you ought to love me because I fixed your other shoulder. You're talking about the president. No, no. Yeah, right. The first lady can do no wrong. But Dr. Joe claims credit for your other shoulder feeling regular. You know, and it, it's just a, a tone <laughs> right. thing that they, I, I'm totally with Paul on this. They they need an enemy. They should have been picking fights a long time ago. I disagree with the fights because I, I think they're wrong. But politics-wise, yeah, pick the fight. Go do a prescription drug war. Get, take, get the child care thing back. Do nothing Republican Congress. You know, just, just throw simple punches people understand, have an enemy, so all this anger cannot just land on the president, which is where it's right. landing right now. Yeah, you see, though, uh, to Begala's point about the doctor, if you watch the president's Twitter feed, it is one after another after another thing about how well we're doing and how much progress that we've made. And and it seems just crazily uh, out of sync with uh, what people are thinking. You know, CBS did a poll. I don't know if you guys saw this last weekend. And like people actually, they know that we're doing a lot better on jobs. They're giving, they, they acknowledge it. Uh, 
but they say the economy sucks. Uh, and then when you dig in, it's all about inflation. Every right. bit of why they think the economy sucks is, you know, gas prices, food prices, supply chain shit. It's it's just, you know, uh, that that is so, you know, now he is going to Iowa today. He is going to talk about uh, allowing ethanol infused fuel to be sold year round uh, as part of his effort to bring down gas prices. He'll probably get kicked around by the environmentalists for that but Mm -hmm. but it's 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 the right thing to do uh so there you know there's an awareness but i'll tell you something and paul you know this from your time in the white house you gotta have you have to have the discipline to drive a theme not just through one event but for a long long time and there's so many things the white house can talk about that if you don't sort of focus on a storyline It'll never break through. So these one-offs are not going to help. It really has to be, this is what I'm thinking about morning, noon, and night. Here are the things that I'm doing. Here's, here, are the, here are the assholes who are responsible. We're going to get tough with them. Yeah, I agree with you, the oil company. Uh, Mike doesn't. But, you know, the oil companies are sitting on, uh, on, on, their, uh, on reserves that they can tap and uh, because – it's good for shareholders when prices are high like this. You'll get rebuttal time, Murphy. I see smoke coming. <laughs> no, I no, see smoke no. coming out of your ears there. No, no. This, this is why Trotsky wasn't in the oil business. That smoke is probably adding to climate change, by the way. Well, but this is an important shift that the White House needs to make, and they don't want to make. That's the I, issue. They don't I, want to. I speak to. from experience here. Uh, President Clinton in 94 is going into the midterms and we've done all this great stuff. The Brady bill, the assault weapon ban, the family medical leave. We had tax cuts for poor people in the middle class. Nobody cared. So you know what he did? He had us print out uh, on, on a card that we measured that was just the right size to fit into a suit coat pocket so that every member of Congress could carry this card around with their accomplishments. So we go through the (laughs) midterms and we lose 52 house seats at eight Senate seats. Uh, and if we lost Mario Cuomo and Ann Richards, two of the most beloved Democratic governors uh, in the country. So I called Ann. She was an old friend. She'd been my county commissioner. And I called her up. I said, geez, governor, what happened? And she and, and what do I need to learn? Look into 96. And she said, Begala, the American people don't give a good goddamn about your precious accomplishments. <laughs> and she said, I went all around the state. And I said, we never had a tax increase. We never had a scandal. Test scores are up. Crime is down. And people said, you know, Ann, we gave you that big house too and a free car and guys with, with cowboy hats to protect you. She knew, she learned from losing to Bush that you got to have a fight. It can't, you just can't go yeah. there and get a gold yeah, star. Fights simplify everything. Absolutely. You got to yeah. have a fight. And, and so- Uh, One of the things Biden has done is he's released a large amount of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And that's probably had some effect. Yeah. He's got no credit. Why? No fight. Right. No fight. Right. And and he doesn't want to do this because I know he wants to be a unifier and a healer, but he has to do this. He will never get credit for his precious accomplishments, just like Ann Richards filming, just like I saw with Clinton. You probably saw David with President Obama. Yeah. Uh, Without a fight, they're not going to give you credit for your accomplishments. Before the 2000, you know, in 2011, everybody was reading Last Rights over Obama. The, yeah. the uh, and, and we had to regroup. And, you know, the economy was obviously issues one, two, and three. And uh, he said, well, in our first sort of big strategy meeting, he said, I've got this list of things I want to talk about. And we said, well, go, write the list out and then let's, we'll discuss it. And he comes back with a list and it's, uh, it was climate change. It was uh, gay rights. It was Middle East peace. It was Cuba. It was uh, uh, Iran, nuclear and so on. We said, great. We can't talk about any of these things <laughs> because we ha- the, there's one thing on people's minds and it's the economy. And if they think of it as who can manage the macro economy, you know, Mitt Romney is going to be a pretty formidable opponent. But if they think about it as who's going to fight for the middle class and who's going to fight back against people who are conspiring against the middle class, uh, we've got a chance to win this thing. And we disciplined ourselves for a year to really, really focus uh, intensely uh, on that message. And he ended up winning a, a you know significant victory. But 
It takes that kind of discipline. They have a different problem with Biden, creature of the Senate. He, he's got incumbent Paul problemitis. Right. I've seen this a thousand times. You go in meeting with the senator or governor, you're in charge of reelecting. And they say, hey, well, I, I, you ought to cut your fee. I've already written your first ad. And they hand you a long piece of paper of scribbles on it. And it's 140. The I-4 bypass construction yeah, sped yeah. up two years yeah, yeah and you know and it's for and the end of the ad is always the same tarot dear moron this is what i did for you reelect me you owe me that and it's psychologically the ad they all want because it's hard to get this stuff done and have everybody right. yawn so that the biden guys did you tell them the an idea that moron thing was a bad idea uh, well no i always prefer using moron in the tagline but uh, mostly about they, your clients but go ahead but a boom he's here all week ladies and germs uh so <laughs> the problem is they're stuck on that and they they enter this gas fight and when you enter it you own it so now all of a sudden i'm going to release the strategic petroleum reserve and nothing happens. We're still paying minibar prices for gas in California at $6.50 a gallon here. We do, of course, have huge gas taxes. So the the point being, when, he, when you do the drumroll announcement, you own it, and it better get better, and it hasn't gotten that better, and there's nobody else to blame. Now, I think oil company bashing is stupid, and there are a million reasons why, but politically, it's something to do. It gives him another enemy for his goats to go out and say, right, it's those damn oil companies and Biden's standing up for him. They're doing none of that. It's all a one-way right. one way conversation that's killing him. Groceries, too. He's getting murdered there. It wouldn't hurt you to ride your bicycle every once in a while, Murphy. That would save some gas, you know. <laughs> Bada boom. <laughs> Okay, that th- this is right up there with Carter's uh, uh, cardigan and Ford's whip win button. Okay, dear America, ride a bike. I'm just trying to keep you around. That's all. I'm, I'm not I'm trying doing to suggest that as a political I'm, strategy. I'm doing great. I think we're all in violent agreement on this. I'll tell you something. I, I had a long conversation with a member of Congress who's in a tough district, Democratic member of Congress, and their concern was what's going to happen relative to this. Uh, very sort of obscure, arcane sort of uh, immigration decision on what's called Title 42. Uh, Begala has a law degree. Why did you never practice law, by the way? Well, you know, he practiced it, and it was the practicing that scared him away from actually <laughs> learning. And by the way, no. if I were that Democrat member in a tough district right now, I wouldn't be worried about the, the immigration law reform. I'd be worried about avoiding a campaign debt. But I'm boom. Okay, Bagala, <laughs> take us to immigration and the new wrinkle here, because I don't really understand this one. Or acts you take. No, no well, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up, but I want to hear Paul talk about it as an issue. You know, since the virus broke out and starting under the the uh, Trump administration, this provision in the immigration law that allows uh, them to turn around without turn people away from the border without hearings uh, has been in place. As if, if if there's a public health threat, right. And the question is, is there still a public health threat? The administration sort of signaled in uh, earlier this month that they were going to end that. And there's real fear that this is going to engender a big rush at the border, as we often have in the ah, spring and summer. It. And so that's what's that, you know, this is just the specter. And, and I think Republicans, honestly, if you ask around Murphy among your tribe, there are a lot of Republicans who are sort of anticipating that, looking forward to it. Yeah. Adds to the narrative, things are out of control, Biden yeah, is yeah. an incompetence, left wing, opening the borders. But it's a sticky thing because it is uh, among immigration advocates, among some Democrats, uh, it is a, uh, you know, there's strong feeling that this is an abuse at this point, Title 42, and it should be done away with. So, Well, just what Biden needs, um, yeah, messy sidebar. How do yeah. you solve it, Polly? I'll yeah. throw you yeah. the hot potato We're going back here. to the answer man, Paul Begala. It's interesting that this is the one place where the left says COVID's no big deal, right? Everywhere else they're saying, you got to mask up, you got to get a shot, you got to get a, And I do all that. I do all that. But here they say, oh, well, no big deal. I I learned this, David, when you guys were in the White House, your your friend of mine, Bill Burton, where they were fighting over immigration. And he and I weren't, but the, the Congress was. And the president was trying to pass immigration reform. And Bill said, every time you go on TV, Paul, and you talk about immigration, please start with this sentence. We have to secure our border. 
And as you know, when you were in the White House, Barack Obama had more boots on the ground at the border than any president since since Blackjack Pershing was chasing Pancho Villa on behalf of Woodrow Wilson. Once you do that, I learned from you guys, from the Obama people, once you do that, then people's minds open. People want immigrants. They, yes. they love immigrants, but they want order. They cannot abide chaos. Yeah, legal so, immigration. Right. So when you begin by saying we have to secure the border, I don't hear Democrats say that anymore. And it wasn't some right-wing nativist who taught me that, right? It was the Obama White House who said, look, we're securing the border, and then that allows us to have more sensible pro-America immigration policies like DACA, right? Letting kids in who came through no fault of their own. Um, and, and other progressive ideas on immigration. It opens people up. And I, I think we've lost that thread. I think if you begin by saying, oh, the public health uh, exclusion should be dropped, but you still have to wear a mask when you get on a city bus, it doesn't make sense to people. Well, I'm sure border czar Kamala Harris will get on top of this and uh, <laughs> add to, add to the, the list of tremendous accomplishments. But they don't need a sidebar like this. You know, to quote right. Steve Israel we had on last week with Gibbs, mm -hmm. gas and groceries, if you're losing that battle, everything else is, you know, doesn't matter. There is this meta theme. There is this meta story that the Republicans are pushing. And anything that adds to it is an, another well, brick, brick on a very heavy load, which is right. things are out of control. Right. You know, inflation, even Ukraine. And I think Biden's done a, a really good job on Ukraine. He's brought Europe together, you know, when Putin thought he could divide Europe mm -hmm. uh, and, and the U.S. And he's done a lot of really good things on this. But still in all, we turn on the television every day and we see these scenes of slaughter. And there is this sense that we can't control it. Right. Well, and the American public always wants a Joe Silver movie. You know, which is on day 11, the seals hold up Putin's head somewhere. I mean, it just doesn't work <laughs> like that. And I think I agree with you. The, the Ukraine thing politically, I think he's doing almost all the right stuff, is slipping a little now because it yeah. doesn't have a resolution. It just has pain yeah. and it just adds to the pile. Yeah, this is this is uh, why uh, being president, you get a car and all that stuff that Paul was ta talking about. But it's a hell of a hard it's a hell of a hard job. That's my dog barking in the background. If if you guys can uh, can hear it, because he has strong feelings about all of Absolutely. this. Absolutely, I'm I'm pro dog. <laughs> as all of this, don't as well. get him started on North Korea. Hey, Paul, let let me ask you a question. I'm going to tread on to uh, that one. Yeah. Took a few seconds. <laughs> I, I got it. I got it. Any <laughs> angry letters send them to David Axelrod at the University of Chicago Institute of Politics. Oh okay, gentlemen, we will be back in a minute, but we have to pay a few bills. Hey, Hackaroos, let me tell you, watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like trying to drink an ocean through a straw. I actually do this because here's the deal. Many countries have specialized programming on Netflix, different content libraries for different countries. So there's stuff out there you can't get on normal Netflix. But with a VPN, your problem is solved. Because a VPN, ExpressVPN, allows you to get local internet feeds from different countries with a few clicks. So you can watch Netflix UK or Netflix Germany or France and see shows you can't get right here or have to wait years for. If you change your online location, you control where you want Netflix or other streaming websites to think you're located. And that's how you get all these shows. Mike, what kind of shows have you gotten that you wouldn't have gotten? You know, I'm a sucker for UK crime shows. And so I dive into those. I speak a little German, so I try to sharpen my German. East European TV can be fun. I mean, it's all over the place. It, it, it's like tripling Netflix to do this. And all you need is ExpressVPN. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. It's blazing fast. You can stream in HD with zero buffering. And you can gain access to thousands of new shows through servers in 94 different countries countries. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap. Don't forget to use our link at expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Wow.
This is April. Things can happen. I think it's going to be a tough fall for Democrats. It, it is axiomatic, actually, that it would be. It's just a question of what the degree of it and so on. But as soon as we turn the corner, you know, we'll take a day and then the presidential race will be happening, which right. is good for hacks, but not necessarily for America. But that's what's going to happen. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Biden says he's going to run for reelection. I think there's some that's an open question as to whether he he ultimately will can or will. Uh, but his habit has been to make these decisions at the last possible moment. And, the, and there's a reason to here because you don't want to lame duck yourself. Say he waits until July, August, September. Uh, where does that leave the Democratic Party if he then says, hey, I'm not going to run? Oh, I, I think we have no uh, lack of ambitious wannabe <laughs> successors. A few of whom might primary him. The actual voting begins in uh, January, in, in a matter right. of months. Right. Yeah, that's what people forget. It's the first quarter of yeah. the of the year. Not. I don't worry end. about that. I really don't. I'm sorry. I, I, I. It was an odd year because of the first Gulf War. But Bill Clinton announced in October, and Iowa. Uh, didn't really, we didn't contest Iowa, but New Hampshire was February 18th. That's it. Four months before the first primary. And it worked out great for the Democrats. Um, I, I don't worry about the calendar. I worry about the caliber of the candidates Democrats can field if Biden decides not to run. If he does run, he better not be challenged within his party. And don't you think he, he will, be, though? Yes. That, that's my million-dollar question. If he, if, if we have a Republican Senate in the House and it's seen as a wipeout, even though that is kind of normal for the off-year and redistricting may right. limit his losses, um, I, I, it's hard to see in the entrepreneurial era of Twitter and social media politics we have now where the entry bar is lower that some primary, at least one significant, if not overwhelming, primary challenger will pop up. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see if he is a candidate. I, I'm doubtful that there'll be a primary challenger if mm -hmm. if he runs. I just think that the specter of of Trump uh, is such that Democrats would would not do that. But uh, set that aside for a second, because I want to get back to what Paul said. You know, we're living in a different time. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember when our buddy Rahm Emanuel went down to raise money for Bill Clinton, and Rahm be, he became legendary because in a short period of time he raised. Four million dollars, four million dollars for Bill Clinton. The whole process has changed yeah. in a way that's really, really tough for someone who isn't well known. Uh, now it could, you know, look. Kamala Harris is well known. There are others who've run for president who who have networks and are well known and can raise money easily. But for you know, Bill Clinton was kind of a you know he was touted in among. Uh, some of the party elite as a potential candidate, but he was completely unknown nationally, mm -hmm. and he was able to overcome that. I don't know if you can do that in four months in this political environment. So I think it's something that really favors the the better known candidates or a celebrity, uh, you know, uh, to jump in and so, or someone with a gazillion dollars who can just blanket the airwaves but it's gonna it will really distort things and i think that's the situation that we may uh that we may end up with but to your point x if biden slow walks it the window for somebody to start making primary noises yeah that'll flush him out and they're gonna have to start saying oh he's gonna run hold your horses you know if he wants to uh, head off a primary you ought to announce earlier rather than later it still may not work in my view but leaving it open, Pagal, if you're if you're someone who is planning to run on the if he doesn't run, what do you do until he says that he's gonna not he's not gonna run? Believe me, they're already planning their runs. I think he's I think the president's gonna run. I think he should run. I think he should not be challenged. Um, but there are already come on, let's be honest. I, I mean, I know of at least one Democrat who's already reached out to uh, operatives and fundraisers saying, "Hey, I'm gonna do this." And I think the president's not going to. So it's happening out there uh, below the surface. Um, it, 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 but but if you poke your head up and you, I, I think, look, the midterms could be a disaster for the Democrats, for Biden. Well, for the Democrats, I think Biden, like Obama, like Clinton, may find his footing and may find it a little easier, actually, to define himself in juxtaposition of uh, what could be 
perceived as an extremist Trumpist Republican Congress. Yeah, that's a good point. Clinton was helped enormously by Gingrich. Uh, I, I think President Obama was helped in some ways by by facing off against uh, Republican Congress. And these people, they make those Congresses we dealt with X, they look like moderates. Um, I think this is a key part of Biden's problem, and it makes me furious as a Democrat. His favorable among Democrats is only 74. Trump's favorable among Republicans is obviously 94. So if you give me 20 more points on Biden's favorable among Democrats, do the math. Democrats are 40% of the country. That's eight points on his overall. He's not at 41 anymore. He's at 49. The guy ought to be at 49 if the Democrats would stop squawking and squealing and whining and whinging and just get the hell in line. I'm serious. You don't strengthen a movement by attacking its leaders. And I'm so tired of seeing um, uh, important, powerful voices in the Democratic Party bad-mouthing their president. It doesn't do anybody any good. What does whinging mean? I've never heard that before. Whinging, that's a Brit thing. It's, I love that yeah. word. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like whining. Okay. Yeah, it's like the whining. That. I'm very sophisticated. That's good. No, yeah, you are. Yeah. Don't, don't be a whinger. What was Thatcher's thing when she thought Reagan was backing up? Oh, come on, Ronnie. Don't. Uh, it wasn't whinge. No time to go a, squishy, I think. I think she said squishy. No, she had a word. I, I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. let's put it this way. It's a classier British version of bedwetters. Right. Right. And, and Paul's absolutely right. I mean, I can I can hear our number one listener, Mitch McConnell, sipping his bourbon and cackling right now because that that's what the Republicans not aren't always the smartest crew. But somebody blows a whistle, everybody picks up a sharp stick and runs toward the opponent. Right. You know, and that simplifies things a little. And this yeah. stuff with these freelancers, particularly in the AOC crowd from districts that a box of anvils can win if they have a D stenciled on them, given all the advice, it, it's uh. Our fact checkers say no time to go wobbly, Ronnie. Is what oh, that was it. Wobbly. Thank you, fact checkers. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, powerful voice and an impressive, I think, rising star. But she's out there frequently criticizing Biden for not canceling student loan debt. Now, Joe Biden didn't promise to cancel student loan debt. Bernie Sanders did. Elizabeth Warren did. The candidates who ran on that lost, and they lost to Biden. And yet, Biden has delivered. $13 billion of student loan relief more targeted than Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. But he's done a ton to help people. He's, he's, he's proposed $10,000 of debt relief, not the whole, not the whole Megillah. But set aside that, that argument, whether we should relieve people's student loan debts and focus on the fact that, that powerful voices on the left are telling voters on the left that the president that they helped elect has betrayed them and let them down. And, no and they're wonder. buying it. You can see in the data. They've taken a chunk out of them. I think you'll get it back, but it's not good. And I think it's going to cost a lot of her congressional colleagues their seats in the House. Yeah. yeah. I had a little thing with her the other week because I I had this experience where I had been on this uh, medication for a, a few years, and then it was taken off the list by my insurance company. And when they said, okay, that's $619 for one month. And- you know, I'm thinking to myself, how many people can afford that? And I tweeted about that, and she said she used it as an occasion to criticize the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> and she said, that's why I'm for I single payer. And yeah. I said, you know what? I'm for Medicare for all, too. And if you can pass it, you should do that. But if you can't, do everything you can to help, okay? The Affordable Care Act actually has helped tens of millions of people. It saved a lot of lives. Uh, it, nobody thought it was perfect. The president was, uh, we did a conference last week at the University of Chicago on disinformation, and he, he was talking about something. And this, the Affordable Care Act came up, and he said, this was, you know, uh, a starter home. We always knew this was the beginning, and we were building something. But it's just frustrating because, uh, you know, live in the real world people are suffering and if you can do anything to help if you can relieve their burden in some way you should do that i love that twitter fight i didn't want to get in the middle of it but i almost tweeted those wrinkle creams can be very expensive but out of respect i let you and aoc <laughs> aoc handle it but i thought you made a good point you know the world of make-believe is not the world of politics it's the world of what you can get done Speaking of the world of politics, I wanted to I wanted to raise something with you guys because there is a level of cynicism uh, 
in no. this business. Not you, Murphy. You're like the Disney of politics. Everything's all wholesome and good. <laughs> the but, key is the animals I want people to like, I only draw very big eyes. <laughs> but same uh, for politicians. That's my So we, all, we, we sat through the hearings. Uh, we watched four three or four potential or, or, you know, or presidential wannabes sort of act out in these hearings. And they attacked, as I mentioned earlier to Begala, they attacked uh, uh, Judge Just, now Justice Jackson for having been a public defender and having uh, right. defended criminals. Uh, so I wanted you, there's a race in Illinois right now for governor. Great segue. I was wondering if that's what you were doing here. The wealthiest man in Illinois, Ken Griffin, has hates the governor and has decided he's going to defeat him. And he recruited the black mayor of Aurora, Illinois, uh, and who uh, I think has voted in Democratic primaries in the past uh, to run. That's a nonpartisan office in Aurora. Uh, to run as a Republican. And he's running on a tough-on-crime platform. That's a huge issue in the Chicago area. Uh, and uh, so the DGA... Uh, Democratic Governors Governors Association, Association uh, is, is started airing ads against this guy to try, I think, and uh, soften him up in the Republican primary so a more conservative candidate will beat him. But l- uh, here's the ad. Well, well, a more conservative slash they hope less electable. Yes, of course. That, governor that goes Christer, without saying, yes. The wealthiest governor in America, just because yes. they're wealthy middle guys class, on both sides. Middle class compared to the <laughs> Griffin. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. He's scratching his uh, pocket <laughs> trying to find bus fare right now. Uh, anyway, so you got a, z- a billion a zillionaire governor who spent a fortune to get elected. There's now, as you said, a rich Republican who's spending super PAC money on the other side. And the DGA, instead of the Pritzker campaign, by the way, throws the old uh, nasty ad that's... Anyway, you, you, you take it from here. Let's play the porn. Richard Irvin's real record on crime? For 15 years, Irvin has been a defense lawyer, profiting by defending some of the most violent and heinous criminals. Domestic abusers and sexual assault. A kidnapper who molested a child. Reckless homicide even accused child pornographers. Irvin's been getting rich by putting violent criminals back on our streets. Tell Richard Irvin to stop pretending to be tough on crime and start supporting policies that keep people safe. First of all, let me just say, that Irving bastard, he really pissed off my printer too. <laughs> I've seen the ad, by the way. It's not a good spot. They've stuffed way too much in it. Just technically, it's a... Yes, it, but it, I mean, my a, point is, these are the same arguments right, that the Republicans the on the Senate Judiciary Committee were running against Justice Jackson. Uh, so, uh, yes, I, I mean, I think the D- DGA is probably doing a smart thing, trying to introduce this into the bloodstream and if they want to beat him in a primary. But I wonder if Cotton Cruz and Hawley are going to hot tail it over to Illinois and prevent this soft on crime guy who's guilty of all the things that they accused Justice Jackson. I and mean, the whole argument is obnoxious to me. Yeah, I, I want to applaud that. I mean, there are a lot of Democrats in, this, in the Senate who have to open their drawer and pull out their halos from last week, and they all, all go be offended by this ad. Fair is fair. It's a sleazy ad. And the Republican attacks were sleazy too. I mean, let's have one standard for this crap. Well, that's right. I, I, the, the fair way, I, I think it's never ethical to attack a lawyer for her clients or his clients. And I, again, I never practiced, but they taught me in law school, Mother Teresa doesn't need a lawyer, right? <laughs> so of course your clients are going to be dirtbags. The question is, are they dirtbags who pay? That was my legal ethics class at the University of Texas. Um, so I think I, that's I thought wrong. the big ethical dilemma was always when the dirtbag pays you a lot, do you tell your partner? <laughs> that's the advanced course. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's more sophisticated. But why not take a look at Aurora, Illinois' crime rate? If he's a mayor of Aurora, he's been responsible for a police department there. Is crime up or down? Yeah. yeah. Well, the crime in Aurora is higher than uh, more than 50% of the cities in America. In other words, so it's got more crime than another city its same size. I would look at that. That's a much more yeah, honest yeah. way to criticize the guy. I'm sure they will get to that, and there is a big battle a battle over the crime statistics. Yeah, but I don't I don't like this attacking somebody's clients. Yeah, 
Can, can I just make a fast point, dude? There's a Keystone Cops element here. So they're sitting around the Pritzker campaign. Hell, our numbers suck, and you know things are not good in Chicago in this Republican year. And the damn Republicans have recruited this black guy mayor who looks pretty good. We got to take him out. Okay, why don't we run an ad from the Democratic Governor's Committee that we gave two million to, and that way nobody will blame us. Ha ha ha! We've got them all outsmarted. I mean, it's the most clumsy, obvious, stupid thing on a on a If you're gonna take on the guy. Crime, do it straight on with legit arguments. Pritzker's numbers actually aren't that bad, but there's no doubt that having a guy, this guy, with a hundred million dollars behind him, is uh, would be unwelcome. I can tell Governor Pritzker, don't worry, I know I'm going to be voting for you seven times, so everything will be fine. But Gal, this is like a ritual. Uh, we've been yeah. doing this show for what two, three years. Yep. I, I don't think you've missed one on the whole Chicago multi-voting. <laughs> I just can't resist. Okay. All right. It's an old chestnut. But again, we know in-person voter fraud is almost zero in our country. And we should be proud of that. Okay. Let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor. And we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show combines in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds like General Stanley McChrystal and Anderson Cooper with Feedback Friday episodes to respond to listener questions about everything from conventional conundrums like asking for a raise at work to doozies like helping a family member escape a cult. <laughs> you know, that's a problem I've got. It's a great compliment <laughs> to this podcast, too. Here you might hear the latest news about U.S. politics on the Jordan Harbinger Show. You're here useful advice from a heavy-hitting interview with people, for example, Michael McFaul, our former ambassador to Russia, who says he's still being trailed by the Russian government, and that's just the beginning. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way, or it could just be discovering a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to start catching up on his episodes, and R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think I'm going to go to the land of, for $50, the land of Oz. Oh, yes. Yes, big, exactly. Big endorsement <laughs> in another big, big state race in Pennsylvania. You got a hot primary on the Democratic side with Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman versus Congressman Connor Lamb. And on the Republican side, respected international economic whiz and former Bush administration official David McCormick, who has put on a red Trump hat a little uncomfortably and is trying his best, hired Hope Hicks and a bunch of Trumpy people. And Stephen They're, Miller. Yep, Miller, a bunch of them, because that's how you handle Donald Trump to defeat Dr. Oz, who scuttled back to the state with a bag full of leeches to uh, run for Senate. But guess what happened? <laughs> Shocker, Donald Trump wasn't handled by his handlers. He bit his handlers in the neck and enjoyed it because who did he endorse, Axe? Well, he's now Trump wants to be the Wizard of Oz. He has endorsed. Uh, <laughs> oh. He has endorsed uh, Doctor Oz. Play that clip because I love his rationale for it. Yeah, screw my staff. I endorsed another person today, Doctor Oz in Pennsylvania. Doctor Oz, great guy, good man, good man, Harvard educated. Tremendous, tremendous career. And they liked him for a long time. That's like a poll. You know, when you're in television for 18 years, that's like a poll. That means people like you. So there you have it. He, <laughs> he was a TV star. Ergo, sent him to the United States Senate. No, let's put Sally Jesse Raphael on the Supreme Court. I know, Court. Pagala, yeah. you may be one of those guys running in 2024. Yeah, I've been on TV for 22 years. I shouldn't be the senator from Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's preposterous. <laughs> you shouldn't be the senator from anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. That's true. I don't know. I'd be for him. It is interesting. I give Trump credit for this. He will go out on a limb. He's not afraid to take a chance. I mean this. I'm not being cutesy or sarcastic. Trump seems to believe that political capital is not this rare and precious commodity he should never expend. So he goes out there on a limb. The problem is, he, as uh, the late Pennsylvania Governor Bob Casey used to say, 
he's taking a firm step in thin air. He did that with Mo Brooks, the congressman from Alabama who yeah. endorsed yeah. the Senate. Yeah, he's had to step back, yeah. Unendorsed. Well, before that, he had that candidate in Pennsylvania before Dr. Oz, who had to withdraw from the race with allegations of terrible Yes, yes. domestic misconduct. abuse, yeah. Terrible allegations. So I, I give him credit for taking a chance, but uh, he's dividing his party. He's doing this in Georgia, where uh, my friends in Georgia think his candidate for governor, David Perdue, is going to lose. Yeah, I agree with that. Brian be Kent. He's he's so he's he's showing a lot of um, uh, uh, I hate to say weakness because I think he's really powerful in that party, but maybe it's just stupidity or impulsiveness. Well, it's grievance. He hears mm-hmm. the establishment is for McCormick. He hears McCormick worked in the Bush administration. He hears McCormick right. knows what the metric system is and can count to two hundred, and he sees that the McCormick people cynically hired some of his factotums and 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 yes people, and he's like, well, it's the old Stalin trick. Ha! I'll show him who's boss. Kill everybody. So, of course, he's for Oz. I saw this one coming because it's the most torture the people he hates grievance thing he could possibly do. And poor McCormick, if you watch his ad, because McCormick's a good guy. He's highly capable. He'd be a great senator. But he had to do the devil deal, he thought, to get through a Republican primary. Right. So he's standing there mouthing this stuff with the deadest eyes I've ever seen in a political spot. I mean, Dina Powell's his wife. She's a tremendous right. person. But, Former uh, you know, Bush and Trump administration. Yeah, Goldman president. Sachs. And there they are putting on the clown show thinking, well, I've, I've got all these mm-hmm. people. That's going to handle Trump. Trump smells it, smells establishment, wants to prove he's the king. So, boom, Oz. And now, frankly, McCormick in a general election would have been a formidable candidate. Oz, yeah, not so much. When you say would have been, you imply that you think this endorsement will put Oz over the top. I don't think it's certain, but here's the formula. The Trump goats in the primary, which is not everybody, but a big chunk, are going to smell the whole establishment caper now. That'll be the narrative, that McCormick is the faker. And McCormick will be forced to try to out-Trump Oz, which is impossible. And they will smell the fake on it because McCormick is not a January 6th crackpot. So I think the odds of McCormick winning are still fairly strong, but I think Oz is now the front runner. All of this stuff about Trump showing weakness, we, we, we talked about this with Maggie Haberman a few weeks ago. Yes, if he loses, losing is never good if he loses his candidates. On the other hand, the fact that the guys who win are Trump imitators who are, you know, I mean, McCormick is running ads, has run ads with the chant, let's go Brandon behind the whole ad. <laughs> I mean, you know, how, which is really sort of a basis himself by doing that. But the fact that people feel they need to tells you the uh, power that Trump still has within that party. And I guess the larger question for us is, uh, you know, with we just talked, we spent like half an hour or more talking about all the crap that is uh, uh, that that Biden and the Democrats are facing, all the headwinds. It seems to me this is the one offsetting thing. Like, that's a Senate seat that Republicans could win, but they probably can't win it if Oz is the candidate. They have a reduced chance of winning. Let's say that. Yeah, I think they're in a normal year, and Oz would be at a disadvantage in a swing state. The problem is, unless President Biden has a magic wand we haven't seen, if his numbers in October look like they do now, this is going to be, you know, 80 again in some ways. A lot of surprise people are going to win these Senate seats, including somebody like an Oz. So I think it's possible he could sweep. I think he's weaker than McCormick in a general. And I yeah. think the primary, we're see. I I would say that um, no matter how much the Dems want it, and it's a kind of a good therapy animal for him, this election is not going to be about Trump, not with the economic focus we have. So, you know, normally, David, I'd agree with you. but No, no, but I, I agree. Look, I totally agree with everything you said. If the wave is big enough... Yeah. Uh, all kinds of uh, flotsam can be sh- uh, washed up on shore here. I, I, I get I get all that. Uh, all I'm saying is that, you know, if you're Mitch McConnell, and I think he did an interview in the last day about this, and he's saying, well, he's been relatively calm so far. And, you know, if Trump delivers, can uh, you know, uh, Trump could Trump can make it harder for them. Oh, totally. By, deli- by delivering some of these candidates. So it's not, I agree with you, it's not going to yeah. be about Trump. Just a point on the Trump thing, and then we'll hear from Paul. What's going on, though, is Georgia is a good example. Purdue versus Senator Purdue def- defeated, backed by Trump, and probably the biggest Trump race against the incumbent governor. If Purdue loses that primary, which I think is likely, th- that is a test of Trump. 
several of the congressional uh, candidates Trump has endorsed aren't working out that well. You know, Oz could lose the primary. Oz could lose the general election. So the Trump perception right now is super strength. But we're going to we're going to market to market. We're going to test it in some of these primaries and generals. But the message, Paul, and I'll throw it over to you, the message will be, I mean, you and others who want to reclaim the party are going to say he's weak. But the lesson is also going to be to Republicans you may not have to genuflect to Trump, but you have to genuflect to Trumpism. Right. Uh, you have to embrace what Trump stands for. Uh, and, you know, that's the DeSantis kind of uh, approach here. So, um, it, again, I think it, it may be a measure of Trump's, uh, uh, of Trump's ability to, um, uh, you know, to designate uh, nominees and in that sense encourage people to be a little more independent of him but they're not going to be in, uh, encouraged to be more independent of his views I, I think that's right david and in fact it's not even views that they want it's attitude yeah that's i think the key. we have a completely right. bifurcated system now um democrats still labor under the belief that politics is about making your life better and so i just had this argument right virtual with aoc about uh, canceling student debt now, maybe she's right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe Biden's right. But that's about policies. It's about people's lives. Republican primary voters, Mike, I could be wrong, but my experience with them is that right now, for the past several years, they have given up on arguments about making their life better. They're no longer like my old man, who was a Republican. He was a Republican because he believed in lower taxes, limited government, strong defense, family values. Good for him. Now, Republicans only believe in, let's go, Brandon. Just on the left, they have given up on the prospect of politics making their life better. All they want to do is screw the other side. And that's enough. And uh, Trump offers that. I would agree. But what they really want to do is stop what they perceive as the other side's movement to socialism, blah, blah, blah. So they're okay. in total reflexive, no, 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 we oppose mode right. rather than, hey, here's our Kemp Roth plan. That is completely true. If you look at DeSantis, for example, who's now but he's certainly the flavor of the month when it comes to alternatives to Trump. Um, his his thrust is almost entirely cultural, culturally divisive right, issues. Right. I mean, that's all he's talking about. That's where all the energy in the party is. Yeah. And it's about no and about stopping. I, I live in rural America. My county voted for Donald Trump 71%. And when I talk to my neighbors and I ask them, what are you for? And they say, I hate Pelosi. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you have for? I hate Biden. What do you have for? I hate Obama. I hate socialists. I hate trans kids. Yeah. I hate, and I'm like, guys, tell me what you're for. Now, how about rural broadband? Okay. Biden is spending tens of billions of dollars on rural broadband so that my neighbors on their farms could get the same high quality porn that you guys get in the city. They don't care about that. I mean, they care about their, their access to porn, but they just want to own the left. <laughs> I can't get them to say what they're for. It's really frustrating. I'm, I'm sure you've been doing some field work on that. <laughs> but the point is, this is where Dems and Repubs are just different animals because the Dems say, but we have right. a program for you. Yes. You know, we're going to have solar powered helicopters yeah. install fiber optics yes. made in America twice the price yes. for American green energy jobs. Yeah, yeah, we're going to throw another $500 trillion on the deficit, but we're going to do all this for you for free. Vote for us. And they're like, we don't want all the free stuff. We want you to stop it. And I hate that damn solar-powered helicopter over my uh, my house. So th this has always been, you know, Mark Melman, the great pollster, always has a good point. Democrats often think everything's about class when really for the repubs it's about culture. And there's a lot of truth to that. The problem is the culture thing has been hardened into a weapon. Let me right. just finally right. say I don't quite agree with the Trumpism. I think they do have to mimic Trump, but Trump is a cult of personality based mm -hmm. on tone and grievance and tough guy and persona. If Trump withers away, which is more likely, I think, than you guys do, hmm. uh, the Trump imitators will evolve to whatever works. Because Trump believes what Trump believes because he's a crazy, resentful old guy who thinks it's Queens in 1959. They're doing these cynics, these Ivy League educated Republican right. cynics, uh, which are an embarrassment. Uh, McCormick, Stephanic, J.D. Vance, let's name names. Yeah, Vance, McCormick, Stefanik in the Congress, one of the worst, Hawley, Cotton. They're machines, and they're doing whatever sells. Right. So they will evolve in whatever direction they think will give them political power, which is horrifying. But right now, it's Trumpism. 
here's one one immutable law of politics. If you don't win the nomination, you're not going to win the general election. Right. Okay. And as long as the prevailing power within the Republican Party, I agree. Uh, the, the the allure is to these divisive cultural issues and and to the sort of uh, you know own the left kind of uh, politics. Uh, you're still going to get those the, those kind of candidates because, as you say, they're just looking for what sells. The, the other law of politics is governed by the rearview mirror. So whatever worked right. last year is what we got to do right now, even if you don't know where you're going. The rare Paul who jumps 20 points is the one who ignores the rearview mirror. Most of them crash. But, you know, that's the one way forward. This one last point on Trump, because this is another, we're doing the extra hacky stuff. The Michigan. So there's a big attorney general races, I'm sure you guys know, in Michigan, which is not in a primary. It's at a state convention. Now, normally political hacks like us say, oh, hell, that means aluminum foil hat and Minuteman outfit, you know, going to be bad. And we've seen some of that in the Virginia conventions. But the Republican convention in Michigan still has regulars in it. They pick precinct delegates this weekend. And there's some great stories in the Michigan press, you know, screaming, yelling. The Trump, it, it, the, the two candidates are kind of a regular Republican who by no means is anti-Trumper, was a former House speaker named Leonard. And a real Trump, we, the election was stolen, find the bamboo in the voting machines, you know, a guy named DiPerno. So it's going to be a hell of a convention fight. The Trump people tried to depose the Kent County, West Michigan, big county, and Macomb County, famous Detroit northern yeah, suburbs. we've heard of it. And they, they failed in both cases. Interesting. So this is going to be much more of a fight than people would assume between the hardcore Trump and the regulars in Michigan coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. Who wins that attorney general thing? April twenty third or something. This is the yeah, yeah. It's coming so, right up. Uh, yeah, eleven days. This, by the way, Begala is. This is how Murphy keeps hope alive. He like he's combs the country looking for little augurings that the the that the enlightenment is at hand. It's the biggest precinct grassroots battle of any state in the Republican Party right now. So just keep an eye on it is what I'm saying. I'm not, we'll I'm not saying it's going to end overnight. I will know that the Enlightenment has arrived when you come out from your basement, <laughs> which is where you do this, and from your bomb shelter The there. freedom bunker here where Radio Free GOP was born. The last point I'll make about all this stuff, the Michigan thing is we will see because there's a lot of people in the party. Here's what you hear in D.C., which I think is a good distillation of it. Biden is screwing up so bad that if he runs for re-election, he's very beatable. Or if it's Vice President Harris or whoever the hell their left nominates, we can walk into the presidency uh, in 2024. The only thing that could stop us is an anchor like Trump is the candidate. So how can we – these are not anti-Trumpers saying this. These are people who are all bored for Trump just looking at winning. Because, you know, we might nominate the one guy Biden could beat. So what do we do about that? Well, let's mm -hmm. watch the midterms. Kemp's showing how to handle them in Georgia. So all I'm saying mm -hmm. is the power politicians of the Republican Party yeah. who have accommodated Trump are hoping to move beyond because he is in the way of an easy victory in their perception. A lot can change in yeah. two years. We'll, we'll see. if uh, That assumes that the primary process isn't a primal scream. But we'll, yeah, we'll see. Enough. But yeah. let's quickly do the mail because we are late. If you have a mailbag question, send it to hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com. And then while you're on the internet, you've got to subscribe to the Hacks on Tap newsletter that Gibbs and I do, full of stuff that we don't talk about on the podcast, a lot of fun, totally free, twice a week, comes by email. Just go to hacksontap.bulletin.com. And our merch store, I know we're reordering stuff. You know, the prison labor has been a little tricky, but the warden told us they're cracking down. Check it out on hacksontap.com. We have the beer mugs and the coffee cups on the way to the Hacks on Tap Warehouse Center. So we'll have all that junk for you soon. Axe, he's heard enough about Michigan precinct politics. Get to the questions. And, and about beer mugs. Hey, uh, so Begala, Dan says, how much of the disapproval of, this is a chance for you to rail again, how yeah. much of the disapproval of Biden is from liberal, for more liberal voters who are disappointed his social agenda isn't passed? Maybe they will be more compelled to get involved in active and midterm campaigns, especially swing state Senate races. We can't assume all the disapprovals will be for Republican candidates, right? Right. Uh, Dan is exactly right. Um, the, the, the Clinton's one of his many laws of politics is that Democrats want to fall in love. Republicans just want to fall in line. Um, and, and 
Democrats need to fall in line behind Joe Biden. And um, he has been a terrific president. He's been a progressive president. He has done more with fewer votes in the Congress than anybody I can imagine. Anybody who thought he was going to be FDR, FDR had 70 senators. There's only 96. It's 70. Joe has 50. FDR had 322 House members. Joe has 222. So I'm begging these Democrats, especially on the left, to buck up their guy. Get behind Biden and push him. I I made everybody angry, but I'll say it again. There's this amazing story that Andy Young tells uh, about he and Dr. King coming home from the Nobel Prize ceremony, 1964, December. Yeah. And they stop at the White House to see LBJ. LBJ has just won the biggest landslide since FDR. But they say, look, the Civil Rights Act was great, but that voting rights section that you took out as a compromise to get it passed, we got to have voting rights. We got to have a voting rights act. Johnson says, I don't have enough power. I just don't have enough power, guys. My Southern Democrats are in rebellion. I don't have enough power. They walk out. Now, I know what I would have done. I would have held up that Nobel Peace Prize and said that Lyndon Johnson is a sniveling coward who won't stand up for racial justice. That's not what Dr. King did. Andy says to him, well, Martin, what should we do? And Dr. King says, Andy, we got to get this president some more power. And they organize the March on Selma and John Lewis nearly loses his life to get Lyndon Johnson more power. And they got the Voting Rights Act. What happened was the progressive activists got their squishy president, who was was great, but he was squishy at the moment, got him more power. They stiffened his spine by getting him more support, not by attacking him. And I think that's a powerful lesson from progressive history. And we all ought to listen to Dr. King. If you're unhappy with Biden from the left, let's get him more power and he'll be better for you. And Murphy, Paul asks, why do Biden's favorability numbers mean Democrats across the board will do badly this November? In 2020, down-ballot Republicans did well, even though Trump was more reviled than Biden now. But Biden, unlike Trump and the Republicans in 2020, is dragging Democrats running down with him two years later. Why? Why? Why, Why, says Paul, not Paul Begala. So, Paul, here's the deal. In off-year election, it's a referendum on the incumbent president. The incumbent president is the biggest show in town. That's the main thing driving what's happening politically. And people look if they're happy or not happy, and they tend to vote, not all of them, but a lot of voters align their thinking to send a message, either good or bad, to the president. Now, in 2020, you're right. Trump lost the presidency, but Republicans did okay in the House. But those House wackadoodles that Paul's talking about didn't help. In 2018, well, Trump was president in the midterms. Republicans took a lot of big losses, including the House. So this is actually quite normal. If Biden's numbers are good, the midterms would be okay. Biden's numbers are bad. Look out. All right. Nick wants to know from Axelrod, it seems to me that the elephant in the room, not necessarily your elephant, Mike, in more discussions I've heard about Hunter Biden is the broader subject of influence peddling by family members of politicians in Washington, legal or otherwise. How common is it and what are its effects? And uh, that makes me hungry for a Nixon burger hearing this. Uh, Go ahead, David. Well, Nick, uh, first of all, Let's uh, stipulate one thing. Hunter Biden is about to become the Benghazi uh, of the next two years. The Republicans are very much signaling this. There are questions that should be examined, and there is a a probe going on. So I'm not dismissing that, but uh, no one's proven any link to the president, but but that is being implied and will be for the next two years. This is going to be the hobby horse uh, of Republicans. Look, this has been an issue for a long, uh, you know, as long as there's been presidencies, you know, what family members do and uh, are they using the, the family name? But the reason, the the thing that uh, I think is important to note here, just in the last couple of days, there was a story uh, about Jared Kushner and his new fund, his new investment fund that got this, uh, $2 billion infusion uh, from Saudi Arabia and from the Saudi sovereign uh, fund. Uh, that to me is actually a story because Jared Kushner, was he was the senior advisor to the president. He uh, worked closely with the Saudis, defended them even uh, in uh, the uh, Khashoggi murder uh, 
apparently within the White House, and had a very close relationship when he was in the White House with Mohammed bin Salman, the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia and the guy who was behind the Khashoggi murder. And now he is being rewarded, apparently, over the objections of people who, who thought the $2 billion wasn't uh, warranted by the presentation that he made. That is a real issue. That is a real issue. Will the Republicans in Congress examine it? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. But yeah, the problem is there's no escrow account for presidential relations. There ought to be. Lock them up for four years. I think it's an important difference that David points out that Jared Kushner was a government official and should be held True to enough. a high standard of conduct for that reason. But also, the president gave up the game. Mr. Trump gave an interview to Bob Woodward talking about MBS after MBS was accused of having connections to the horrible murder of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. He told Woodward, Trump did, this quote, I saved his ass, meaning MBS. I was able to get Congress to leave him alone. I was able to get them to stop. He bragged about corrupting a congressional pressure to bring some justice after the murder of Khashoggi. Uh, That's pretty outrageous. It's pretty transparent. I'll give Trump that. He brags about his corruption. And now his son-in-law gets a $2 billion infusion into his fund. That's a story, folks. That's a a concern. It it is. But then just to cap it, and I missed the era where Billy Carter could sell beer and sit on his porch. (laughs) You know, right now, the American foreign policy world is quietly reaching out to the Saudis to surge production of energy to help prop up Ukraine. You know, it's a tangled web, this stuff. Yes. Well, but you have to separate out policy from personal gain here. And in this story, you know, and everybody suspected that this might happen. And now it has. So anyway, more about that down the line. Next week, Jared Kushner and His Royal (laughs) Highness. I don't think they'll be sponsoring our. Yeah, there goes another ad. We have to. Yeah. Paul Begala, you're the best, man. It's always great to have you come back often. Fantastic. I love the show. I love you guys. All right. Thank you, pal. It was great to have you. And Axe, we'll be back together soon. See you soon.